You're listening to the Sermon Podcast for the Peak Church, located in Apex, North Carolina. Our church is striving to welcome all who are feeling disconnected from God. And so our hope is that over the next several minutes, you will connect with the God that we are talking about, and you'll resonate deeply with the life that this God wants for you. We hope you enjoy. Scripture passage for today is from the book of 2 Timothy, chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. For this reason, I ask you to keep using the gift God gave you. It came to you when I laid my hands on you and prayed that God would use you. For God did not give us a spirit of fear. He gave us a spirit of power and of love and of a good mind. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Over 10 years ago, when I first started in this job, the first couple weeks uh, were kind of hard because in addition to the job, I was suffering from some stomach pain for weeks and weeks and weeks. This went on, like, like just uncomfortable. And so at first, it was just annoying and inconvenient. But the longer the stomach pain went on, the more concerning it got. So I went to the doctor and got checked out, and they said, well, in order to fully understand what's going on here, we're going to need to do a fun little activity called a colonoscopy. (laughs) And for our younger listeners out there, uh, I'm going to give a little bit of a future uh, for you that you didn't otherwise want to know uh, about the life that is about to befall you. Uh, Early in life, I got to experience this wonderful blessing, and... um, What's interesting, especially for the younger listeners for whom this is not your reality yet, is I don't know what's going to be worse for you, the actual procedure or the preparation required for said procedure. Can I get an amen? Amen. Everyone above the age of 45, amen. I swear to you, uh, for those of you who've never done this before, uh, it is the worst. It's miserable. It's absolutely brutal. Number one, you can't eat. You can't eat. So you're hangry all the time. You're hangry every minute. And secondly, instead of eating, what they do is they give you this wonderful little cocktail mixture that's made of uh, X-lax and whatever they put in Taco Bell. (laughs) And so as a result of that, you can't do anything. You can make no plans. You can't even sneeze with confidence. You just put that right on the label. Uh, you know, that like little says, like, don't operate, don't use this while operating heavy machinery. This should just be like, don't use this and make any plans outside of the bathroom. It's miserable. I go through the procedure, I survive. And then I go to my doctor's office to review my results, and he walks in with a smile on his face. And so I, uh, being inappropriate, was like, did you have fun? Um, <laughs> He's like, no, 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 it's not like that. He sat down and he goes, no, 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 I'm here because good news, good news. Uh, There's nothing wrong with uh, you physically. 
Now, there's no, no, no cancer, no gastroenteritis, no Crohn's, no other things that they worry about with stuff like that. He said, no, uh, what you have is anxiety. That was the first time anyone had ever said that to me. And so I left that doctor's office, and it was an interesting experience because I left relieved on the one hand, and I will also confess, on the walk to my car, I felt shame. Anxiety? Like, that's people who worry a lot. Like, I'm a, <laughs> I'm a person of faith. I'm a pastor, for crying out loud. I've been doing this job for two weeks. Like, I'm not supposed to be someone who worries too much. If you are new here to our church, uh, today we are continuing a sermon series that we've been journeying through all summer uh, called The Gospel in Disney. We've been exploring some of the parallels between our gospel, uh, the gospel of Jesus, and the gospel of Disney, the one that Disney preaches. And we've been trying really hard to find where are the parallels, where are some places where they are doing and uh, working at the same goal. And so today, the very subject, the very topic that we're going to address that both the Gospels seek really hard to address is that of mental health. For some of you, when you see these words on the screen, uh, this is a conversation that you're very comfortable with. It's a conversation you are able to have in your marriage and with your kids in your home. For some of you, uh, this word, these words, this phrase uh, just alone causes you anxiety. You don't talk about this. Your parents didn't let you talk about this. This isn't something that you talked about with your friends or in your work circles. And I'll say uh, here on the onset that uh, this is actually a place where if we're exploring the partnership between the church and Disney, this is a place where Disney is outperforming us by a landslide. Quite frankly, this is a place where just about every organization out there is outperforming the church. Why? To be very clear about something, it's actually not because our Gospels don't have anything to say about mental health. It's not because there's nothing in Scripture that can coach us and give us some guidance and give us some teaching on it. It's not because of that. It's just because we don't want to talk about it. And so what are we going to do today? We're going to talk about it. But before we do so, I want to give a quick disclaimer, okay? Quick disclaimer. We are, uh, in just a moment, we're going to explore uh, so many of the scripture passages and so many of the teachings of our faith that really can aid in your and my battle uh, with various forms of mental illness. Maybe for you, mental illness is a chronic thing. Maybe it's something that you uh, experience occasionally or seasonally. Maybe it's something you never had any experience with, but then you lost your job or someone died, went through grief, and then bang, it came crashing into your life, and you had no tools to explore it. We are going to talk about all the ways in which our faith can be a beautiful asset to our recipe, to our practice of good mental health. But I want to be super clear about something, and I will not continue this sermon if we do not get agreement on this, okay? Everything that we're about to explore cannot, will not, I will not allow it to be seen as a substitute for good medical care. Faith on its best day is a supplement to good medical care, okay? You're not allowed to take everything that we're about to talk about and say, yeah, so great, I don't need to, you know, I don't need to talk about medication anymore. I don't need to, to explore therapy or groups, support groups. You're not allowed, okay? You're not allowed 
to use your faith in that way. Because, friends, there are people for whom their lives are on the line with this conversation. So I won't allow it. So deal? Do I have agreement? We will not proceed unless we can agree at least on this. Okay? Say deal. Say deal. Because now that we've covered that, our faith actually really does have a lot to inform about this conversation. Let's dive in. So if you have your Bibles with you or your smart devices and you want to track along with us in our passage for today, go ahead and return back to 2 Timothy chapter 1. If you're watching this online, uh, feel free to hit pause and uh, grab a Bible, grab a smart device. 2 Timothy is one of many, one of many places where our faith has a really valuable contributions to be made to the conversation, to the conversation, to the experience of any form of anxiety or any form of depression or any of those realities that sort of infiltrate our thought life. To give you a little bit of context, 2 Timothy is the second letter from Paul to Timothy, hence the name. So Paul, early church leader, started a bunch of churches, wrote a bunch of letters, and he's coaching Timothy. Timothy is sort of his apprentice in the faith, and so he's young, we're raising him up to be a leader in the church. But one of the things that we know about Timothy from this place and from other places in the New Testament is that Timothy is kind of like me. He's the nervous, the anxious type, right? And so he's, he's new to this thing. He's got a lot of insecurity. And so I'm sure Paul put him in charge of stuff, and he failed miserably. And so as a result of that, he suffered from discouragement, even depression. And so right at the jump, when he writes this letter, when Paul writes this uh, letter to his, his son of sorts, he starts off with these words. He says, You need to know this, Timothy. I need you to understand this at the core of your being, that the God that we worship, the God that we preach about, the God that we're following does not give us a spirit of fear. Instead, you will know it's the spirit of God if you feel power, you feel love for others, and you feel a good and a solid mind. Another translation reads power, love, and self-control. You feel like you're in control of your thought life instead of just being thrown around by it. And the word here that Paul uses for spirit of fear, in Greek, the word here is dilos, dilos. And it's important that we understand sometimes the particular words that these authors use because when used in other places, it helps us get greater meaning to what Paul's talking about here. So, for example, this word, dilos, is the same exact word that Jesus uses when he's talking to his disciples during the storm on the Sea of Galilee. You remember the story? Remember the story? Uh, the disciples and Jesus are out on the boat and the storm is crashing and it's about to flip over the boat. Jesus is having like a seriously good nap. Remember this? Can't wake up. And so they're freaking out. They're shaking him. They're wake- they, they know what's going on. Jesus wakes up and in a moment with a breath of his lips, with one word, all of the storm cease. And he names for the disciples what it is that they were feeling, this die loss, this fear, the spirit of fear, the spirit of anxiety, the spirit of, oh my gosh, no one's looking out for me, there is no hope, we are going to die. In other words, in the ancient times, they didn't have words like anxiety, depression, they didn't have categories for this. And so what I'm suggesting to you is maybe just maybe die loss, maybe just maybe that is the closest thing we have to what the ancient authors understood as this experience that you and I have in our thought life whenever we feel overcome with fear or overcome with despair. 
And I want to play with this analogy a little bit more because I really like this. I really like this imagery of the storm of, uh, the, that's happening there on the Sea of Galilee because for so many of you, you know this. This is what uh, your struggles feel like sometimes or maybe in a postpartum series, season of your life, this is what you felt. Like it felt like a storm. And I want to just remind you of a couple things because these are a couple of really beautiful parallels between the storms of our uh, mental illness and the storms we see on the Sea of Galilee. One parallel is this, that just like the storms, just like the waves, just like the wind that we see there in the Gospels, oftentimes mental illness comes in waves. It'll come in really, really strong. You'll get triggered by something. You'll experience something really hard. You'll come in really strong. But here's what you need to know. Here's what's really important. What do waves do? They come in, and then what do they do? They go out. Some of you need to know this because this is really important that uh, emotionally, this is the way oftentimes our emotions work and or if you're willing to get treatment, if you're willing to find solutions to it, you can actually push it back out. There's hope. It comes in waves. And if you can, if you can survive the wave and it's really high, you can believe that it's going to eventually recede. And the second thing, the second parallel between these two things that I think is super, super important, and it goes back to 2 Timothy chapter 1, it's really crucial and really critical for you also to remember this, that God didn't send that wave. God didn't send that wave. I think sometimes it's easy to be like, well, I guess this is just God's will for me. I guess this is just God's plan for me or God's, God designed me to sort of experience this and God's sending this into my life to test me in some way. No, just like where we find Jesus on the Sea of Galilee, he's not like over there operating some like wave machine. Even like a wave pool, you know, those things. It's like Jesus is not doing that. Where is he? Not a trick question. Where is he? In the boat with us, helping us survive, helping us overcome, helping us endure, helping us combat and fight the storms that are flooding into our minds and hearts and lives. Kyle, how? How? Like, how does Jesus do that? Well, in a couple of ways, a couple of ways. In fact, again, when you survey scripture, there's a lot more in our arsenal in this fight against mental illness, against struggles with despair and depression and grief and fear and anxiety. There's so much more that we ever give it credit for. The first of which is this. One of the weapons at your disposal that the scriptures teach and our faith has always taught is that one of the most powerful gifts, one of the powerful weapons and tactics you have to combat forms of mental illness is discernment. Discernment. In the New Testament, Paul in another place says that when you have various thoughts running through your mind, when you have various voices circulating in your mind and your spirit, you are to test them. Don't just believe on surface value that they're true. Test them. Poke them. Prod them. Interrogate them. Critically evaluate them. Ask yourself this much bigger question before you decide to follow them. Where the heck are they trying to lead me? Ask that question of the voices that sort of creep into your life. Where is this voice leading me? Where is it trying to take me? What kind of life is it trying to make me suffer from? One of my favorite examples of this in the Disney series comes from the movie Inside Out. How many of you have seen Inside Out? Inside Out. 
I love this movie. Uh, it's so good. And it, I think it introduces really well, quite frankly, really well for our kiddos in particular. But let's be honest. If you're a, ki- a, a parent of young kiddos, you like watch it off to the side like, oh, this is cute. And then like five minutes in, you're like, sweet Jesus, I'm like learning stuff. I'm taking notes. Ten minutes into this movie. And in this movie, what they do is this is the, these are the different voices in your brain. These are the different emotions that each and every human being experiences. Anger, disgust, joy, fear, and sadness. And my kids love this movie. We've seen it 400,000 times. And every single time I watch it, I have a new favorite character. And recently, as I've been watching this, my new favorite character is the little purple guy there named Fear. And one of my favorite scenes of the entire movie is they've just gone on a road trip and they're all talking in uh, this person's mind about their favorite parts. And so one person's like, my favorite part was the fast food and my favorite part was the sightseeing. And then fear gets a chance to chime in and uh, fear goes, wearing a seatbelt! <laughs> you see, friends, this question, testing the spirits, interrogating your thought life, discerning what it is that this voice or this thought is trying to say to you, why it's so unbelievably important, is because this is a beautiful example. This movie, this movie does a wonderful example of painting a very, very stark difference between fear and anxiety. Some of you are like, isn't that just semantics? Are they the same thing? They're actually not the same thing. You see, voices of fear, voices of fear are actually trying to lead you somewhere fundamentally different than those of anxiety. Fear is actually trying to protect you. Fear is trying to sort of name for you things that you don't see, you're not anticipating, you don't know are going to happen, so that you can be aware of those things, and fear keeps you safe. So fear is leading you somewhere good, somewhere responsible, somewhere not reckless. You want to know where anxiety is leading you? To paralysis. Anytime and every time I've listened to the voice of anxiety, it did not keep me safe. It kept me from living. It kept me from meaning. It kept me from purpose. It felt, it kept me from being who God called me to be. Some of you know this, actually a very, very small number of you, that for the last couple of years I've had this book project that I've been working on, on and off again, and I'm just like full transparency, full confession. One of the reasons why I'm not farther along on it is because I followed that voice more than this voice. I've let the voices creep in of like, well, good Lord, what if you fail? What if you screw up? What if no one cares? What if it bombs? What if no one reads it? All of those voices can keep you from your life. They can keep you from actually living your life. But you don't know the difference unless you're willing to, again, discern, test the spirits. Ask hard questions before you just follow blindly where it is they're trying to lead you. Dang, Kyle. Okay, well, what else? What else has faith got? What else do the scriptures got? Well, they also have this, another weapon uh, that you and I can use towards our mental illness. We can use towards the various forms of our thought life that are crippling to us, that are harmful to us, that are destructive to us. The other gift is not only the gift of discernment, but is the gift of community. You don't even have to hang around church long enough before we start talking about community. We just ooze community. We say it all the time. Our scriptures call for it all the time. That you and I should not be trying to follow Jesus alone. And you want to know the fundamental reason why we don't? 
believe you're allowed to do it alone? It's because Jesus himself didn't do it alone. One of my, every single time we ever talk about mental health in our church, and we've, we've made it a value of ours, that we're going to talk about mental health at least once or twice a year. Every single time that we talk about it, I always want to point to this passage of Scripture in Luke chapter 22. It's the passage where Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. It's the night before he dies. And some of you know this story. That he retreats out of the Garden of Gethsemane. And two really powerful things you know about this part of the story is, number one, Jesus suffers from anxiety. Two, I love saying this to my fundamentalist friends because they're like, um, I don't see that anywhere in the scriptures. I go say, oh, well, how would you describe Jesus going out into the garden and sweating drops of blood because he's so scared of what's about to befall him? Your anxiety does not make you less Christian. It makes you squarely right behind the Savior. So not only are you following someone who's felt that part of the human condition before, but additionally, did you ever notice this, that when he does go to the Garden of Gethsemane, he doesn't go alone. If anyone in the world was allowed to go and conquer his stuff by himself, it was Jesus. But even Jesus brings Peter, James, uh, Peter, uh, James and John with him and says, please pray for me. Please be with me. I can't be alone right now. Now, they pass out because they're so tired, and so they're really a bad support system at the current moment. But I digress. Jesus, the point being, Jesus knows that if you're going to fight effectively against your various struggles in your thought life, you cannot do it alone. You have to let other people in. Have to. Non-negotiable. Have to. Back to our Disney examples. One of my favorite illustrations of this comes in the movie Finding Nemo. We watched this just the other day as we were on our way to the beach. And if, you don't, if you've never seen this, uh, it opens with trauma. It opens, it introduces uh, the listener and the viewer to the impact that trauma can have on you. Marlon, who is the protagonist in this film, Nemo's dad, suffers incredible trauma. In the opening scenes, he loses his wife and all of his children, with the exception of Nemo, in an instant. And so for the first several scenes, he's just a basket case. He's worried all the time. He's anxious all the time. He won't do anything that's unsafe. He won't do anything that has any risk to it. If he had it his way, he would lock himself in the little coral reef with Nemo and never let anyone in and never let anyone out. But when Nemo goes missing, he has a choice to make. Number one, will he go out? Number two, will he let other people in? And then we get Dory. And I love this beautiful scene. There's this beautiful scene where I think they're bouncing through the jellyfish. And again, Marlon is just like, he can see all the things that are going to go wrong. He can see all the danger. And he asks this question, how do we know we won't get hurt? And Dory, in total Dory fashion, I don't! All we can do is take a shot and hope for the best. I don't care how strong you think you are. I don't think, I don't care how self-sufficient you think you are. Every single one of us need people in our lives who will pull us out of our heads. How many of you feel like you've ever been through a season where you've just lived in your head all the time? We need people who will pull us out of our heads. In fact, a study found once, it's found that those who have uh, not even one or not even many friendships, if you don't have a strong friendship life, you are twice as likely to suffer from severe depression. 
it puts you twice as, more, twice as much at risk. So if you want to fight it, don't do it alone. Don't do it alone. That's the second principle that we find in our scriptures. And thirdly and finally, what is one more? One more that you'll find in our scriptures, you'll find in our faith, you'll find in everything that we should be teaching, we should be proclaiming from the pulpit, week in and week out, is that if you want to be someone who has not just a strong spiritual life, but has a strong mental health life as well, you're going to have to not only practice discernment, you can leverage the gift of discernment, you can leverage the gift of community, and you're going to have to start playing offense instead of only playing defense. So if you know exactly what I'm talking about. Depression rolls in, anxiety rolls in, and you let it have its way with you. It controls everything you think, everything you feel, everything you do or don't do. But in the New Testament, again, this is not my, these are not my words. Another a passage in the New Testament, Paul says this. He says, when you're thinking about your thought life, when, you're, when, the, when the thoughts creep in and you're trying to figure out, is this from God? Is it, where the heck is this from? It says, take every single thought captive. I don't know about you, but that don't sound like defense to me. Take every single thought captive. And figure it out. Is this voice leading me somewhere closer to the heartbeat of Jesus? farther and farther and farther and farther away. One more Disney movie that I love so much that I think teaches on this so well. That is the movie Onward. This one didn't get like as much noise or as much like publicity as I would have hoped. I actually really love this one. It's one of my favorites. In the story, it's a story of two brothers. We got Ian, we got Barley, and uh, their dad passes away uh, before Ian is ever born. And so the entire movie is about how they search this magical power to go on this quest to maybe just somehow have one more day. Uh, Barley to have one more day. Ian just have one day with his dad. And it just goes haywire every single time. They run obstacle after obstacle. They run into this snafu. They run into this boulder. They run into this. They just can't pull it together. And so Ian is about to bail. He's about to quit. He's like, forget it. I guess it's just not meant for me to ever meet my dad or even have a dad, so just forget it. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do anything else. I'm staying right here. I'm not taking another step. He's playing defense. And so Barley, in this really beautiful scene, says, brother, you need to remember, please, please remember that there's a mighty warrior living inside of you. You just got to let him out. Brothers and sisters, to quote the New Testament, the same power that rose Christ from the dead, those of you who know this, quote, know this verse, finish it for me, finish it with me, ready? The same power that rose Christ from the dead lives where? In, in us, in you. Me though, like I don't, like I that kind of like just sort of come back to church or like, is this like for like the spiritually mature people? No, there's no qualifier there. Same power that raised Christ from the dead. It lives in you. The only question is, will you let it out? Do you have the guts to let it out? 
Some of you are like, I got the guts, but like, I don't know the know-how. Like, I don't know, like, what does it even look like? What does it even mean? Maybe it looks something entirely different for you. What it looks like for me is three things. Is when I find myself and my thought life is not leading me closer to God, it's leading me farther away, my thought life is more destructive than it is constructive to the type of person that I want to be. I practice three things. Number one, I read scripture. I read scripture. And if you're like, where do I start? Read the Psalms. Good gracious, read the Psalms. The Psalms are just littered with examples of people who have gone through something similar as you. Not the same thing, similar as you. They gripe, complain, and scream at God for the first half of the Psalm. In the second half of the Psalm, they remember. They remember who they're talking to. And they remember what he did before. And they remember what will happen again. The other thing I do, in addition to reading the Psalms, is I listen to worship music. That is one of the places where I find sanctuary, I find inspiration, I find passion and boldness and power. Again, if you live here in this Apex community, you probably, most likely, have seen me driving on Highway 55, bawling, because I'm just listening and I'm finding more strength, I'm finding shelter again, I'm going on the offensive and attacking the things that I'm feeling, because I don't want them to dominate my life. And thirdly, I don't know if this is spiritual or not, but in some sense, everything is spiritual, if you think about it. Um, the other thing that I do is I move. I move my physical being. And there's studies that back this up, friends, that this not only benefits your spiritual life, it benefits your physical health. Did you know this? That a study found that if you exercise, you get moving, you even walk for two to two and a half hours a week. So someone else can do the math on what that equates to on a daily basis. It ain't a lot. If you do the two, and a half, two to two and a half hours a week, it reduces your chance of depression by 37%. Same study, same study. They followed the same folks. They followed the same folks. And those who did it, they've prescribed their lives that they were going to be more active. They're going to go pray while they walk or they're going to pray or listen to music while they run or what have you. The people who did that had 40 Three less sick days, 43% less sick days than the person who didn't. In a study that just came out from Duke, the best school in the entire world, <laughs> found that outside of certain medications, the strongest, the most proven, the most powerful remedy against various forms of mental illness is exercise. I'm not prescribing those to you. I'm not prescribing those to you. But I am saying you gotta find your own. You gotta find strategies to go on the offensive and take the various thoughts and emotions that dominate so much of your life, take them captive. And I'll close here. I can hear what some of you are thinking. I can feel what some of you are feeling. Some of you are sitting there and you're like, like, I hear that, I hear all of that, but like, honestly, and this is a conversation I have with folks in coffee shops, in my office all the time, almost always the rebuttal, the response to action is something like this. Kyle, I hear you, I know everything you're saying is true, and yada, 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 whatever, but I just can't get over the fact that it's not fair. It's not why do I have to deal with this? Why do I have to go through all of these mental gymnastics to try to find sanity in my life? Why do I have to go through all this extra work just to find happiness and joy in my life? Why do I have to do that? And here's where I would just remind you of something that's really, really, really important, okay? I'm not dismissing any of that. What I am here to remind you of 
is there ain't a single person in this room who ain't battling something. There's not a single person in this room who ain't battling something. There ain't a single person that you interact with out in your daily life who isn't suffering from something. And who knows, if, ever, if you ever like got together with them and you put your stuff on the table, you might look at theirs and take yours back. <laughs> oh, never mind, I'm good. I don't want yours. <laughs> everybody, everybody is fighting something. They're battling something. And our faith teaches this, that this is so much of where the crux of our faith lives. What does scripture say? That the battle is not with flesh and blood, but it's with powers and principalities. Now that's just Christianese for what? Any and every voice inside of you or coming outside of you that is trying to control who you are and control who you see yourself as. So friends, please hear me. Please, for the love of God, hear me. You've got way more power than you think you do. You got way more power and way more strength than you think you do. And you got a lot more control than you think you do. And if you're willing today, before we leave here today, if you're willing, we're gonna take some of it back right now. Does that sound good to anybody? You wanna have a little bit more control over your life and your thought life, maybe, just maybe, okay? Well, first and foremost, number one, uh, I want to give some resources to you. Whenever we talk about this conversation, we try to do it responsibly, and so we don't want to do it in such a way where we're talking about it and then just send you out into the world and say, well, good luck. Uh, we want to give you weapons. We want to give you tools. We want to give you tactics to use. And so uh, in 2019, uh, this is when our church really adopted this value, and we created this website. So if you go to this website, thepeakchurch.org slash mental health, what you'll find there is a plethora of resources, a plethora of resources. What did we say? Faith was not going to be a substitute. It was going to be a what? Supplement. That's right. It's going to supplement these things. And so if you go to this website, you're going to find a whole bunch of different resources. If you're watching this not in a local area, uh, our primary uh, uh, caring and pastoral uh, care and uh, therapeutic uh, counseling partner is Triangle Pastoral Counseling. And so if you're not watching in the area, you have to find that uh, in your area, which we can help you with. Just message us. But for those of you who are local, this has got a whole bunch of different tools. It's got a whole bunch of different things to sort of supplement the prayer life, supplement your worship life, supplement your faith life so as to put you in a place where you now have control over what you think and who you think you are. I just want to give that as a tool to you. And secondly, what I want to do is I want to give you space to do so now. So I'm going to invite the worship team up. And don't worry, don't fret. Um, We're not going to I'm not going to make you do anything outside of your comfort zone. I'm not going to invite you to stand up or go anywhere. Um, But what I am going to invite you to do is over the course of these next couple moments, as this song, as we stand and respond, I want you to use this opportunity to think about what do these three things look like for you. Maybe you've got got really, really strong community. Maybe that's not the place where you're lacking. Uh, Maybe for you, the struggle is in discernment. You just sort of take every voice in your head at face value and you follow it blindly. Maybe you need to sort of start getting some wisdom and discernment in how you wrestle with those things. Maybe for you, you have been playing defense too long, too long. When, when these waves crash in on you, you throw yourself a pity party. And I'm not saying it's hard, but you throw yourself a pity party. And you just let it control who you are. You let it control your narrative. You let it control the life that you do or don't live. Maybe that's you today.
But I want to give you an opportunity here as we close worship today in the quietness of your hearts. You don't need to tell nobody in the quietness, the whisper underneath your breath. I want you to talk to the Lord and I want you to say uh, to Jesus, what are the things uh, that you need to start doing? Maybe even ask questions. God, what are the things I need to start doing? What are the practices I need to start implementing so that I can truly worship you with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength? Amen. Thank you for listening to the Peak Podcast. Make sure you subscribe wherever podcasts can be found. For more information on how to get connected with our church, please visit us at thepeakchurch.org.